It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Ain't it funky now? I just singing along with my theme song. Every once in a while, I'm re- I, I, I think of James, uh, James Brown here in the studio, rocking it. But uh, that was 1971 in Paris. But hey, ain't it funky now? But The best I, decade. The best decade it was. <laughs> the best music, songwriting, incredible. The best people born. Best people born. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm actually pre-70s. Oh, really? <clears throat> <clears throat> That's okay. So, I forgive you. Okay. <laughs> Good. I hope so. <laughs> so yes, I'm Jonathan Sanborn. You're listening to Counterculture. I get to have the get to meet the coolest people in around the country and including here in Arizona. Today in studio, I have with me Renee Ronica Bahati Klug. Yes. Do you want me to add more I, to that name? No, I'm just going to call you RB, RBK. <laughs> Good. RBK. Perfect. That's the the RBKs here. Okay. Or your highness. Your highness. <laughs> I tried to get my family call me overlord. Yeah, or yeah. Ma- I, once I got my master's degree, I call me master. None of that worked. Yeah, it's I said, right. master I do Jonathan. call my husband lord and master. Lord and- no, I don't. I, yeah. So. Unless it was dripping in sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so Renee, I get like, as I, I, I'm not just making flattery up, but Renee is a big deal. She's an innovative educational leader. It says right here, innovative Researcher committed to the topics of developing cultural intelligence, building people-centered curricula, and fostering inclusive environments. She's been educating students and training leaders for over 70 nations for 20 years. She knows a thing or two about cross-cultural. Renee holds a leadership position at ASU, spearheading cultural intelligence initiatives for staff and faculty development, and the founder and chief trainer and consultant for culturally intelligent training and consulting. So, Renee, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Jonathan. This is great. This is great, too. I'm already excited about this. This is culture is kind of my jam. Yes. And I love talking about it. And we, but before we get into cultural intelligence and, you're, and you, we, we, well, we want to know you. Mm-hmm. So, we play this game called Fake News. You list two things about yourself, and you've had a, a, quite a life. Mm hmm. Two things, and well, I try I'm not to that guess. young anymore. No, back in the day, you did school. St- no, okay. yeah, no, you're not. I'm older than you, so I'm. That's all right. That's, uh, back in the day, uh, no. Two things about yourself: one that's true, the one that's not true, and I try to guess which one's fake. Okay, go for it. Okay, one is that on there? Nope. Okay. It's in your head. Do you remember? Uh, I forgot the second one. Um, one was, um, oh, yeah, I remember. Sorry. If it's not written down, Jonathan, you know, Einstein never memorized anything because he knew he could write it down. Really? Yeah. So I do the same thing because, come on, if I'm going to yes. compare myself to anybody. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Right. So, but one, of course. I hitchhiked my way through the United States during the 90s. Interesting. There's okay. Number one. Number two, the author and legendary person, Kurt Vonnegut, almost lit me on fire. Okay. So, one, you're capable of hitchhiking. I just think there's something about you that says you're <laughs> capable of that. But the other one is so specific. Oh, yeah. It tells me that maybe you, that's true and that you, you might have hitchhiked but may, either not in America or, or, or a very short distance. So I'm going to say Kurt 
is true. You are right. Really? You know what? You applied so much cultural intelligence to that answer (laughs) that, ah, you have bonus points. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I don't even know what I did. You got it. You got it. Yeah, that's right. No, I've never hitchhiked, uh, but I have train hopped in Europe. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And but the Kurt story? So I'm I, on a first name basis with him, by the I, way. So my background's yeah. in creative writing. That's where I started my teaching career. Okay. And we were in New York, and I was the senior coordinator for a writer's conference. Okay. And I was leading him to the podium so he could give an award to a young writer. And he was smoking a cigarette because that's what he did. Right. And I had the long skirt on because that's what I did. Right. And the wind caught the skirt, and his cigarette caught my skirt. And oh my. he said... Ooh, I nearly set you on fire. And I said, Mr. Vonnegut, you've already done that. That is some killer wit. Yeah, well. Wow. Come, come back. When in the middle of that on stage to have that kind of, man, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So it was good. Uh, you were here. You're down you were down here when you came <laughs> in the studio. Now you're up. You've already moved up a couple of right, notches. Now you're deleting your cultural <laughs> intelligence part. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right. I was down you there. You were down here. Yep. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Listen, I, I rise like the yes, phoenix. Yes, you rise like the phoenix. <laughs> At least you're not on fire. And I'm so glad. Well, that's what you you haven't you <laughs> haven't spent right. that much time with me yet. Okay. okay. Okay, give me some time. I, I, I already so I have like we have like twenty six minutes for the yes, show. Yes, but yes. Renee and I could talk about this is like again one of my jams, yeah, and I could do. talk about this for like twenty six hours. Oh, same. Yeah, but let's just let's get yes, to yes. This. Let's get right to it. Let's be. Why in your background? Yes. Besides being on almost set on fire, what about your background makes cult- culture and the knowledge of culture so important to you personally before the concept in general in the world? Like you, why you? Because I am a brown woman who right. is the first generation American. I was born to a Punjabi Sikh father who immigrated from India, New Delhi, uh, in the late 60s. And my mom is Irish, Polish, French. She is white, a white presenting, or she reads as white. I'm, you know, all of these words yes. that were kind of developing. And so I grew up in a society in which I never knew where I belonged. I was born mm-hmm. in the mid, late 70s. And I was often the only, the only brown person, the only people didn't know which kind of Indian I was. Right, right. Was I, and so I, a American audiences often said, well, she's brown skin tone wise, so she can't be American. But then a lot of people within the Indian culture were like, well, you're half white, so you're white. You're white, you're, you're them. Yeah. So it was always this kind of moment of alienation. Who am I? What, what am I? And I realize I am in the both end, and I am fully American. I'm not fully Indian because I wasn't born there, but I'm also of the first generation to grow up biracially and biculturally. Right. Keeping in mind that biracial marriage was not legalized in the United States till the late 60s. And as I understand, it's also kind of frowned upon in India as well, correct? Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There is a lot of colorism within India. Yeah. There, Of course, the caste system is there. Yes. It's also here, but but in a more of a financial sense here in the United States. But absolutely. Yes. So there, yes. Th- both there cultures was... have that. Uh, pro- uh, that's challenges in both cultures. For yes. Both and oh, I actually, my best friend and I have a podcast called Not Only But Also. And in the first episode, Not Only One Race But Two, uh, we talk about how we grew up because uh, she's half black, I'm half Indian, and we talk about that. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to hear the rest yes. of the story. And what's the podcast called? I love not plugging only, my friends. but also. Not only. But also. Not only, but also. And they can find that on. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. 
not only, but also Apple check Podcasts. that out. I'm going to check that out. Thank you. I'm interested. We do sometimes use aggressive language. Aggressive language. Yeah. So we can handle it. Yeah. So no children. <laughs> it's not a children. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> not everything has to be for children only. That's right. We have to deal with some serious stuff. That's I think right. there are parts of the Bible that aren't, shouldn't be for children. That's right. That's right. So I won't go into details on that. I was going to actually play this game called Is It From the Bible or Is It From Game of Thrones? And Ooh. then see, guess which scene I'm describing if which they can play. That's anyway, right. So and we'll the author do. is quite likely Solomon. Solomon, that's right. <laughs> so what is culture? What, that just a, a general, mm-hmm. we, what is it? Culture is not just nationality and ethnicity, although it is also that. Culture is also our background, our socioeconomics, our gender, our sexual orientation, our religion, our families. Mm-hmm. Did I say generation? Yes. When we were born, where we were born. Where we were born. All of these things make up culture. So uh, there would be a Delhi, in, if I was in New Delhi, and as I was a poet in Hyderabad, mm-hmm. that we could, that's different cultures. Totally different languages, di- quite often different skin tones, yes. different religions, yeah. different foods. Mm-hmm. In the same country. Just as us, someone from Phoenix going to rural Arkansas. Correct. That would be a different culture. Yes. But even more so in India, just because of the nature of the states and languages in some sure. ways. Or some, but yet, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. So culture is a much bigger topic than a lot of people yes. can think. So, and I forgot one more thing, disability too. Disability. Yes. Of, that one always gets left out and I try to always include it. So I want to highlight it here. Tell me what, like physical disability? All. All So if you're neurodivergent, so if you're on the autism spectrum, or if you have ADHD, if you have depression, anxiety, uh, of course, if you have a physical disability or impairment, all of these things make up diversity. Mm. And there, because you have to think about diversity insofar as it, as it asks you, how can I best include Mm. these Mm -hmm. people? Yes. Right? Yes. Or these communities. So that's a good way also of measuring diversity is that there are so many, there's so much difference. What can we do to accommodate inclusion? So that pluralism, that I, I mean, that concept gives us an idea of pluralism that everyone in some sense has a bit of a different culture based on their background, experience, geography, ethnicity, all these, and the many others that you've mm-hmm. just listed. listed. So what do we often get wrong about culture? We treat so many of them as monoliths. Mono, okay. They're from India, therefore X is true. Right. She's a woman, so therefore Y must be true. Right. Uh, he's blind, or they are blind, even pronouns, right? right? So they are blind, and therefore this is true. Right. That is n- often not the case. Right. And I, this is my work, is coming in there and really, and this is the work of cultural intelligence, right. is saying, no, 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 no. We can't treat anything as if it's one size fits all right. because that's just not true. Mm. And I just this morning I got labeled a Christian, yes. and and that there was a lot of baggage for the person, the several people who are labeling me that. Sure. And there's parts of that I can embrace, mm-hmm. and there's parts of that that I say, well, I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, because, but it, but it was definitely a monolith idea of yeah. that their conception through their their lens of seeing me and the group the group that I'm associated with. Yeah, and the, I'm sorry that that happened if there yeah, was any negative it stuff, was. but uh you, the the biggest problem with that is the dehumanization. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And I can, I was I, I let tons of stuff slide, but there's some aspects of it that were quite accusatory. But yeah. uh, not okay. Yeah. So why should Christians in particular <laughs> 
care so much about culture. If Jonathan, okay, we both <laughs> know and like Jesus. Yes. When Jesus interacted with the Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. with people who had disabilities, with tax collectors, how did he treat them in general? Amazingly. Right. He didn't look he didn't look past their cultural identities. He saw them with the inclusion of their cultural identities. Mm-hmm. And then he saw them for who they were and mm-hmm. he spoke to them in their need to bring the kingdom to them mm. specifically with their cultural context in mind. If Christians want to tout a big narrative about evangelizing and bringing people back to God, then we need to start acting like the very God who came down as Jesus Christ, how he treated. Because Jesus Christ modeled cultural intelligence like a champ. Yes, yes. Perfection. Yes. I love that. I absolutely love that. And really quickly, if we're all made in the image of God, then why can't we see each other? Through that lens. Absolutely. And that's so hard as the, the, real, the reality that every person is made in God's image. I remember having um, my first big ex- experience with this was when I lived in Russia. Mm-hmm. And it was my first, well, I, actually my first summer before I lived there, but I ended up uh, staying with a uh, Russian family. And the son comes out and he brought out these like his some of his drawings that he was he's my age. Mm-hmm. He brought these drawings so that he did really as a kid. old, really old, yeah, really old. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Good. One. Uh, and um, they were army battles, and he was. There were battles of Russians heroically killing Americans, yeah. and I had drew, drawn the same thing when, as a kid when when I was that age as well. Like, oh, I was battling the the evil, you know, red threat, you know, and I realized what a humanity we just suddenly just had. Like suddenly, here we are having tea. He's a brother in Christ. Like there was just something transcendent over our own narrative that we had both been taught. Mm-hmm. Like somehow we just found a, there was just a commonality there by by showing that kind of dirty. I mean, talking about like the sense of, oh, all my life I thought would would probably have taught to learn to kill you or fight you my entire life or fear you. Mm-hmm. And so again, yeah, here we were. Thank you for sharing that. And what that resonates back with is what I was saying about the dehumanization. If our ideologies are what is constructing our narratives about who people are, yes, then we actually haven't seen the people. We've just seen the idea, which is exactly what happened with you and your Russian and friend. That is huge. And that's so important for right now more than ever yeah. because ideology trumps like the Bible even. We choose, we choose, we label people, we dismiss them through various ideologies, and we don't see them as God sees them first. I love, love that. So This can be both ends of the spectrum, too. In 2020, I realized politically I needed to be a lot more gentle toward Christians who ideologically believed very differently than I did. I realized that I was dismissing them in a way that was not effective, that was not practicing what I preach. And I, so we all have biases, and we all have to own those things, even if they emerge in our mid-40s, during a politically cantankerous year. Yes. That's a great observation because we can focus on one side of it and miss the other side as well as reflect on our self-reflect. And that's the starting point. It's like acknowledge that I have biases, I have faults. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Renee here just having an incredible conversation about one of my favorite topics, cultural intelligence. 
Um, inclusivity is a buzzword now, and that there's a, things we as we've been talking about that we, can resonate uh, with us. But so, what's good about it, and what's what's maybe the downside, or maybe what we're getting wrong about inclusivity? I think what's great about it is that this allows people who maybe have not been been seen throughout history to finally feel seen, mm-hmm. to be acknowledged for all of their difference. I think that's, in short, what's so good about right. it. I think what can be a downfall of it is it can create a sense of fear. Like, oh my gosh, if I don't do it right, if I don't get their pronouns right, if I forgot to turn subtitles on during Zoom, right. if I... Uh, a number of different things, right? right? Said the wrong word. I said I, the wrong you, word. I'm a racist now, or something yes. like that. Right. And and sometimes I could. There are there can be a lot of uh, differing opinions on both sides of whatever spectrum you're sure. on, where people might feel alienated. So in our process of trying to include, we inadvertently. I want to give people the benefit of right. the doubt. Inadvertently might alienate. That's a great. That's a great distinction because I think that's the. Some people feel like it's just like a bludgeon. Yeah. Well, this is where grace comes in. Right. We're all learning together. Absolutely. And um, so we've talked about awareness of culture. Are we understand what would be a good working definition for not just culture, but what cultural intelligence? So cultural intelligence is our ability to effectively interact, communicate, work with people who are from diverse backgrounds. And that includes the ability, gender, generation, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, all of those things. So basically, if you have ever interacted with anybody who is different than you, you need cultural intelligence. And that's in any field? Any field. Okay. Including uh, people who don't have careers. So would churches need cultural intelligence? I believe they would, Jonathan. (laughs) Soft question. I know. (laughs) Because remember, and and this is – I'm saying this with with targeted love. The church in my experience, especially evangelicalism, uh, very much tries to encourage uniformity. Mm -hmm. But cultural intelligence includes unity. We don't all have to be the same, look the same, act the same, talk the same, uh, chant, pray, whatever the same. But we do have to work in harmony under God. If we're really going to bring the kingdom of God to earth, Mm -hmm. we need to be in unity. Mm. And unity comes from our interacting effectively with each other by seeing the other person, Mm. being self-aware. So cultural intelligence is, first I need to know who I am. It's based in emotional intelligence. Mm. And then from there, I learn about you, Jonathan, not you born in the late 60s, not you as a man, just as a man, I should say. All of those things, your generation, your uh, gender, where you're from, your life experiences, Mm -hmm. your religion. Yes. I get to see all of that and I don't get to exclude any of it. Your skin color. Yeah. It matters, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it, it, it creates the person you are who is going to interact not just with me, but also with God mm-hmm. and the rest of the church. Mm. That's super, super important, and I think it's something we, we can dismiss as maybe something trendy or woke or something like that. But this is something that missionaries have practiced around the world yes. and have had to learn some hard lessons. Yes through bad and good, um, things I've had to learn in my decades of work across culturally. 
as well, this goes back to biblical times, and mm-hmm. even I, someone did a study on the names that Paul traveled around with in Acts, mm. and how diverse actually the 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 name themselves came from certain places. Ooh. So, in order for them to be working together, they would have had to have been working cross culturally, both and socioeconomically. Like, a, if you're selling purple dyed clothes, that means you're wealthy. You know that so they, there was assumptions based on what we know from the text, and so it's like yeah. actually this is something very in the heart of even the of the early church. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Even when Paul he he saw the uh, statues or to the unknown right, god, right. he really went into the philosophical nature of what this culture embodied, what they valued, and he was able to speak to them through that lens. And of course, he had had that awareness mm-hmm. built up from his own educational background, but he brought that there. He understood that to speak to them. He needed to understand them. That's a great observation because, he, and, and he did it without judgment. Here he has a, a city with multiple of gods, and he, yet he found an entry point to talk about God without judging. Yeah. You're, yo, you guys are just worship so many gods. What do you know? You're yeah. so. Do you realize wrong. this is idolatry? Yeah, do you realize the, that you're not going to get into heaven and you're right. going to ex- experience the fiery flames of hell? <laughs> you know, leading with the fiery flames of hell may not be the most right. effective way yeah. to get people to like what you're saying. <laughs> a friend of mine just said if if Christians just so you know, I don't want if 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 being in heaven is being with you guys, I don't want to be in heaven. Oh gosh, that makes my it heart. Makes my but heart I get break. it. But I get I, it. I totally get why that is because oftentimes how we present and the judgment we can present to the world gives us impression of Yeah. So Yes. So for that for what you just said right there, this yeah. is why we all need cultural intelligence. Absolutely. Because cultural intelligence it doesn't mean that people are automatically going to like us more, but I think they might. They might, but they also might trust us more. Why? Mm-hmm. Because we are, we're not out just to get another notch in our belts for salvation. Right. We're here to know you, even if salvation never comes up. Mm-hmm. Like you, I should embody who Christ is in how I love you and how I talk to you and mm-hmm. how I see you yes. and how I don't talk to you in right. certain, you know? I, I feel like, I mean, they'll know us by our love, and cultural intelligence is rooted in love. One aspect that's refre- that I, I had not really thought as much about is that the idea of culture in, in ages, mm-hmm. and you, men- you mentioned that, and uh, and so there's a sense that is this is both talking about a wide, both politically, a wide swath, but I, but this also is how I can relate to a te- my teenagers or or maybe mm-hmm. the elderly. Yeah. And how they're looking at the world through a different set of lenses, yeah. and if I'm put them in this monolith, which I could potentially do, yeah. oh those those uh, millennials, yeah, it's whatever, dismissive. I just instantly categorize them and dismiss them, yep. or those boomers, yep. you know, I've dismissed them as well, or the, oh that she's she's yeah. a Karen, or yeah. you know, we've labeled them and yeah. dismissed them. Yeah, it can be really, really bothersome, and especially you know the what we do with culturally intelligent training and consulting or T- CITC. I like long names, as you can yes, tell. Yes, yes. Uh, but I'm not ashamed of any of them because you know. <laughs> but uh, but with with through CITC RBK. exactly when we work with organizations, so often we see that often the people who are in the C-suite might be of the older generation, and sometimes they there's this affinity bias, right? We like who is like us, and so we 
hire people of our same generation, and we sometimes neglect those people who are younger, who have so much more to offer right. to the demographics that they're trying to serve. And the same can hold true if you maybe, I'm, you know, if you're a young company, maybe it's a startup, and maybe they are young people, they might be reluctant to hire people of an older generation right. for whatever stereotypes they've concocted. But hey, if you have a demographic that your uh, product might serve, Yes. You should probably link in a person who represents that demographic, whether that's age, ability, sexual orientation, yes. religion, all of that. We should not be making decisions on behalf of other people based on their cultures. Right. People from within those cultures need to be making those decisions. That is huge. And that's, and that's I mean, in a sense, you're acknowledging the image of God in someone, because including the ability to yeah. make decisions. Yeah. And I think that's very profound, and that applies across all kinds of sectors, both in our personal life and our professional life, mm. even in our church life. Yes. Even especially in our church life. Yes. So just in our last minute, how can someone learn more about what you're doing? They can visit us at culturallyintelligent.com and Ooh, you can good, learn. Good, I know. domain. Jealous. Thank you. And you can learn about our model. You can work with us. You can just have a starter conversation. We are here for you uh, at Culturally Intelligent if you're on the Instagram. Yeah. And of course, if IG. you, you want to hear on our podcast at Noba, N-O-B-A, uh-huh. podcast everywhere. Fantastic. Thank you, Renee. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. God bless you and your ministry. God bless you too, Jonathan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.